soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. But it kind of comes back to when you're in a lot of pain, I think more often than not, we just say, Jesus, help, Jesus, mercy, Jesus, grace, and forgive me and help me forgive others. Pain, suffering, and affliction sharpen our focus for heaven and sorrow and heartache. They sharpen our focus. They remind us that this is not our home. When I was at therapy today, I looked to my left, it was Time Magazine's 100 Most Important People, and I laughed because their version of the 100 Most Important People is not God's version of all the most important people. Most important and influential people, some actresses on the cover, I'm like, you're not the most important person on this planet. You can read that as much, you can believe that as much as you like. Took a quick look, it's just all who, it's just nonsense. You don't see Anne Graham Lotz in there fighting for her life with cancer. You don't see Franklin Graham in there being attacked for his faith and his convictions for the word of God. You don't see Greg Laurie in there for filling up stadiums and bringing people to the kingdom. You don't see you and me and the body of Christ in there. We don't see the kids standing for Christ in their high school campuses amongst great persecution. We don't see moms and dads taking on bad legislation for the benefit of a future generation for their children and looking out for their interests. You don't see those people in that. See, the kingdom is so different than the temporal. And pain and sorrow sharpen our vision to what really, really matters. And we get past all the noise and things that they don't matter. 50 years from now, 10 years from now, staring down death, everyone's got to stare it down. See, God's working in us for eternity. He doesn't care who, we, who the 50 most beautiful people on the planet are or the 100 most important people are in the sense that how the world sees it. Enter by the narrow gate. And God is working in us for all eternity as he was working in Paul with the stewardship of the ministry. And that's what we need to keep our perspective on. So when we, when we have the sufferings and we have the afflictions and we have the heartache that, that he's allowing in our life as followers of Christ, we need to let that work together for good. And we need to find the place of rejoicing because the rejoicing is not in the experience, but in what it's sharpening for us that we can rejoice that it's making us more who we're meant to be in Christ in this timeline that we're in and rejoice that it's preparing us better for the day of the Lord to, be, to stand before the Lord. We don't want to be shallow or soft on the day of Christ Jesus. We want to have depth, and we want to have backbone and fiber in the kingdom. And there's a, there's a calling of that suffering where it, it refines us. And Paul said his suffering was for others. Now, Jesus said 
in the Gospel of John, unless a grain of wheat dies, it cannot bring forth a crop. Paul the Apostle, in writing the Corinthians, said that his, the suffering of the apostles is on public display to the benefit of those they're ministering to. And he said, it's, while death is working in us, it's producing life in you. And we understand this principle from the word of God that through death comes life. That's how God works. Through death comes life. And Christ's death on the cross birthed the church and the church age. Death equals life in the kingdom of God. It's sort of like where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And we sang the song last week during Easter like, oh grave, where is your victory? See, but when it's the death of character flaws, or not even character flaws, but it's, it's just the death of the old woman and the old man where just letting go of things and God just taking us deeper in him to become more like him, that death of those things are creating life for others. And that's, that's a biblical principle. That as we go through hard things in a stewardship of our ministry and it's visible and people see how we handle things, it produces life. We're called to rejo- we can rejoice in it because it's working toward eternity. It may take a while to get to that place, but sometimes you're walking the Lord as a public execution. Jesus on the cross was a public execution. And sometimes you just can't hide. When we lost our son in uh, 1988, uh, 1989, and I was on staff at Calvary Chapel Vista, and I was back there at the facility about two months ago. You know, I got married in that sanctuary, but all I can think about is healing from the loss of our son in that sanctuary. And I just wanted to hide so, so much. I just wanted to hide. Like I just wanted, I didn't want, I mean, as a pastor, I was on staff. I, and I just, I had to walk by all the babies in the foyer area. It was a large church, 2,000 people. And, and, and I'd have to go by there every service. And I just had to prepare myself mentally to go to church every service. And I just wanted to hide. I just wanted to hide. But there was nowhere to hide. I was on public display. How is Joey Baran going to handle losing his, his first son? There's nowhere to hide. You're just so vulnerable. From crying in the back, the way the sanctuary is in Vista, I actually kind of sat right where Lucas and Susan are. Yeah, that was kind of my area. And I just, yeah, it just, there's, there's nowhere to hide. I remember in 1995, I went to a pastor's conference in Merritt Island, Florida with Malcolm Wilde's church. And Brian Broderson, I was in Virginia Beach at the time, and Brian Broderson had flown back, and John Corson was traveling with him. This was three weeks after John Corson's wife, or daughter died in the car accident, the 16-year-old that was killed in the car accident. And I was so stunned when I, I arrived, and I got to hang out with Brian. It was Damien Kyle, it was Brian, and it was John Corson. And I remember going to dinner with the, the three of them, and I just, I just kept looking at John Corson, like, how is this man here? His six-year-old daughter just died three weeks ago. And he's right here. Like, how is he doing this? And I, I mean, I tried not to stare at him. I just kept thinking, like, that's, and, you know, John Corson, of course, is someone we, most of us know who he is and we respect him with great, I just remember, like, there's just nowhere to hide. He was a scheduled speaker at the conference. He could, he could have canceled. Malcolm would have let him off the hook. But, you know, like, and I just remember I had a brief conversation with Johnny. And I just remember he said he, he was in shock. He missed his daughter. 
but he needed to stay on, keep doing what he was called to do. I'll tell you what, seeing John Corson in 95 at that conference spoke volumes to me. But there's, the suffering is a public display, and it inspired me. John Corson's obedience to his ministry in, in that January of 95 after his daughter died, less than a month, it so inspired me that you just, you got to keep on keeping on. And it's public. Paul said we're on display for all to see. Our death is producing life in you. And it's, we, it's just a reality. And I want to encourage all of us in our ministries, when we think about the stewardship of our ministry, it's painful, but as Paul said in verse 24, I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. In other words, he was becoming more like Christ through his afflictions for the sake of his church, to the benefit of the church, which is his body, which is the church. So even in my own personal testimonies, I'm going through such a hard time physically. It's been very hard for my wife. I just, man, she's an amazing woman. But just got to hang in there and you don't need to see me screaming or crying in the middle of the night in excruciating pain. But like Jesus said, when you pray in private, your Lord, the Father will reward you openly, right? When you fast in private. It's the same principle. Like, I don't need to be, I, the most comfortable I am in the last month has been every time I'm here at church. Um, but if I was in excruciating pain and publicly, then now I'm in excruciating pain publicly. There's nothing I can do about it. I've, I've done funerals for some of you, for your loved ones. There's nothing we can do about it. I learned a long time ago I can't, I can't bring people back from the grave. I can comfort people that are here with our journey in front of us. So the suffering and the afflictions of spiritual leadership is a great reality, and we just we want to find the place where we can find solace and refuge in the Lord, and we can trust that he's got a good plan for it and how it works in us to produce Christ and how it influences others to uh, impact them for Christ. As people see us like John Corson or like me in Vista 30 years ago, such a hard year, 1989. There's nowhere to hide. We can't just got to get up and go to work. Got to go see the coworkers. Got to see the neighbors when you're getting the mail out of the mailbox. There's just nowhere to hide. It's life. And People don't know what to say sometimes. They don't know what to do. Most people are empathetic when you're going through hard times and suffering and sorrow and heartache. But in the end, Christ is the author and finisher of our faith, and we have to let him carry us through those shocking uh, moments and seasons. Now, in verse 25, he talked about the stewardship of his ministry. He said, concerning this ministry and his sufferings, which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So as he, that was part of the stewardship of his ministry. We think of the stewardship of our ministry, when you think about ministry, like, okay, so you're a deacon, like Anthony and Keely, you've been deacons here for, you know, serving in that capacity for over 12 years in this church. And you think, like, what are the responsibilities? Or, you know, when Ryland has his stewardship with the soundboard, or Fred, and you guys alternate nights, or Kathy in the children's ministry, and the various, Bobby comes here pretty regularly to lead worship, and, you know, he's got a song set, he shows up at a certain time, someone's here, you do the sound check, praise about the song set, new songs, familiar songs, we were commenting on the song set Tuesday night, what a unique and fresh song set that was that you had Tuesday night, and it's different things, and 
Well, Tove's kids are always doing ushering. There's just, you know, Mike's here for securities over there. Like, we, we think of ministry like, okay, my stewardship is I'm going to show up. Randy sent out the text earlier in the week who can do security Saturday night for food and fellowship. Some people have assignments from 7.30 to 8. Lucas will probably be over here doing something. Like, we have things that we step up to and we commit to. And we say, well, that's our, that's a, that's our ministry. But really, again, the stewardship of ministry is not just advancing the word of God. Because my stewardship is to get up and teach, right? So, when I listened to the first study in Colossians from three weeks ago, I listened to it the other day. I told my wife, I go, I don't know if it's because I'm just not right in the head right now because I'm in so much pain, or I just don't like that study, or I just don't like me in general. Like, I'm not sure what it is. A, I don't like the study. B, my head's not right. Or C, I don't like Joey. Or D, it's all the above, right? It's like, I don't like the study. I don't like me. And it's just, you know, like, uh, just it is what it is. From the dust we came, the dust will return. But, you know, when I... What I told Jennifer, she's like, well, it's probably you not being right in the head. And I said, okay, well, you know, that's not the first time. But, but, I taught the Bible. I taught the Word of God. See, if you're going to be, if you're not be happy about a Bible study, at least let it be a Bible study. If you're a motivational speaker, you're not happy with what you spoke, well, that's on you. If you're trying to motivate without the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you don't motivate, and it kind of fell flat, well, that's your business. Tough luck. But the word of God doesn't return void. So you see, he said, okay, I rejoice in my suffering, which produces, it's just for you to fill up what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ in me. Wow, that's such, again, that could be the whole, that could be a men's retreat or a women's retreat. That could be, that's just so much there. But then I became a minister according to the stewardship. So he's a minister, a servant, according to the stewardship that received from God to fulfill the word of God. So so see, it's one thing for me to get up and teach Colossians chapter 1. It's one thing for me to teach through the Gospel of Luke for 16 months or be teaching, you know, the entire New Testament in four years since our 10-year anniversary, moving toward our 14-year anniversary. But, like, it has to be seen. As Paul said, our lives are living epistles. So not only do I teach the Word and, and, and teach it, but I have to display it. I have to display it how I carry myself, how I act, how I respond and so do you because again even as a pastor while I'm on more on public display than you I'm here to equip you for the work of the ministry that's what Ephesians 4 says so you come here and I'm equipping you I'm teaching God's word to you and I'm displaying God's word to you and then you're receiving God's word and you're going home and you're living God's word and you're displaying God's word to your sphere of influence and the people that are a part of your life where you work your neighbors and so on and so forth so the stewardship is God working in us to the benefit of others that his word advances. Again, let's look at verse 25. He became a minister according to the stewardship from God. So God called him to this apostolic ministry to the benefit of others was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So as I'm under construction through my life experiences, I'm, the word of God is being fulfilled because I'm not just teaching it. I'm living it. And I'm called to show it and be transformed by it. Or as Paul said to the Thessalonians, you receive it as it is in truth, the word of God, which works effectively in you who believe. So you can teach Bible studies to your kids, but your kids need to see the fruit of Bible studies in your life as parents. They need to see how you handle things, how you respond to disappointment, how you resolve conflicts in the home, how you live life with Jesus as a person in your marriage, if you're married and in your home. 
But ultimately, our ministry is to fulfill the word of God in us and through us to the benefit of others, which leads us to our final thought here tonight. So I'm going to connect this. So it's, it's the stewardship of ministry, and it was the sufferings to rejoice in that were for the benefit of others, as we're being more like Christ. And then it's the stewardship given to you to benefit others, because ministry is for others, and to fulfill the word of God in you and through you, if you will. And in the context of what Paul was saying in verse 26, that the gospel was brought forth in the apostolic age. So all those things that were shadows in the Old Testament, as I mentioned earlier, are brought to light through the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and they've been revealed to the church. And so we have the fullness of God's word, as it says in Revelation. We don't need to add to it or take from it. And so God has made known, verse 27, which is the glory of the mystery among all the nations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, the good news of the gospel isn't just for the Jews of the Old Testament or previous covenants, but it's the good news for everybody. And that's, we just, it's for everybody. So when we think about how we sow as a church in our own lives, in other people's lives, or as a church, as we sow in ministries around the world and different things that we do, it's to the benefit of all people. We've tried to be very diverse in our financial giving for outreach of the gospel around the world. We've invested large sums of money for pastors and their families in the Middle East and what, that are still there in places like Syria and Iraq. We've invested money in Venezuela this year. People still there with no power, no electricity, fearful of their lives, still doing their ministry with baseball, still doing their ministry with surfing, still teaching their Bible studies in the home with vehicles that don't work and hyperinflation. See, this word of God working in us, transforming us and working through us, we as a church are, are sending it out to the ends of the earth. We've had the teams that have gone to Brazil. We've gone to Haiti. We've gone to Europe. We've gone to Nepal with Scott Cunningham and other. We've, we've gone around the world and we'll continue to do so. So, what do you mean, Joy? What are you saying? I'm saying, like, if I'm under a death sentence, we're all under a death sentence in our own Jerusalem, that's producing Christ's life in us, and it's going out of us to the ends of the earth to, to, to bless as well through that, that our ministry is, is to the ends of the earth and that we have death. We don't have a self-serving faith where it's all built around us and, you know, a, you know like, it's all about dream big dreams and have positive thoughts and, and be rich and, and die rich and leave it all behind. It's like, hey, be broken, seek the Lord, cry out for mercy, and sow bountifully everything he gives you. That's who we are. And that's what the ministry is. Let the word of God go through us from our brokenness to benefit not just this congregation and our sphere of influence in our region, but to the ends of the earth. Our sister church, Orange County Christian Fellowship, is sending a team to Haiti next month. They're building a church. Our good friend Brian McDaniel has been there for years now, and he's planted different churches and these such impoverished, such an impoverished land. I mean, Hispaniola, you know, Dominican Republic one side and Haiti on the other. It's just, man, it's just, it's, it's reality. All the things that distract us here in America, a lot of it's just not even reality. Haiti and Dominican Republic is reality. That's reality. That's, that's reality. And I think of like Brian and those guys, they're going to go build a church. They're going to go there for like 10 days and build a church in a little community and dig a well and build ovens to bake bread so they can be the center of the town. So they give the bread of life and the bread of life. 
the bread of temporal life and the bread of eternal life. That's what they're going to do. And we're going to be part of that with them. See, the mystery of the gospel is that it's going out and we're giving Christ the hope of glory to everybody. As we become, as we suffer afflictions in our ministries and our stewardship, and as the word of God works in us through that stewardship and goes out from us in that stewardship, that becomes more the focus about our life. It's not a self-centered faith. It's a, it's a self-effacing faith that goes out to the benefit of blessing other people that they might have the hope of glory. Christ in us is the hope of glory. And last but not least, so we see the suffering and the afflictions of the, spir- of the spiritual calling, the ministry. We see the stewardship of the ministry that is from God with the word of God. And then last but not least, we see his striving in the ministry because he says in verse 28, him, that is Jesus, we close with this, him we preach, warning every man. That's a strong word, by the way, warning. We preach Christ, we warn every man, we teach every man, in all wisdom, right? Because everyone's taught differently. They all, we all learn differently. Teaching every man that we may present every man complete before Christ. So when we come alongside Venezuela or Ireland or the Middle East, we're equipping people who are equipping people, helping them to be ready for the day of the Lord. We're co-laboring to prepare people for eternity. We're co-laboring with people who have the same vision we do, which is the kingdom vision from the word of God, and we're, we're, we're equipping. So we're equipping our own households here in our Jerusalem for, for eternity. We're being equipped by our sufferings and afflictions for eternity personally to become more like Christ, and we're on display. But we're trying to equip beyond our, you know, from our Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. That's who we are. Your afflictions is what I'm saying. Your sufferings and your heartache and your afflictions that bring us in mind, that bring us closer to the Lord, which is they're meant to do. They make us more like the Lord. They give us the mind of the Lord and the heart of the Lord. And we become the hands of the Lord to the benefit of our immediate influence directly and our broader influence globally. That's what Paul did. That's, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. Because he said, to this end, I labor. Verse 29, I labor striving according to his working, which works in me. So you see, it's all what he's doing in us through brokenness of afflictions and the things he's teaching us in our ministries. He's working in us, in those ministries and that stewardship, so he can work through us for fruitful ministries. So we want to learn the lessons and we want to be faithful. And I just come back to verse 28 for one final thought, where he said, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. As my wife has gone through all this extended education for uh, pre-K teaching and certification and these things with younger kids, it's amazing how different every kid is. You get 33-year-olds together on a playground at MCA, and it's amazing how different those kids are. And... She has homework where it's like, how would you educate this particular kid? She has case studies of kids that she's working with. And like, what are their interests? How do you build their interest toward the things of this and that? And of course, ultimately, how do you get their interest in cars as a three-year-old with Mattel cars, Hot Wheels, to move them to an interest in understanding the Lord? Now, that's not the public education, but that's the real education. See, we all learn differently. God allows individual things in our life that are unique and different for each one of us, how he's going to teach us things about him, his character, in us for time and all eternity, because we're all different. But then as he's working in us, his word through those things in our ministry, he's going to 
He's going to help us understand the distinctions and differences of people. Not everyone's the same. Everyone's different. So how is God's word working in my life in this ministry to help this person who's like this or to help that person who's like that? In praying for my parents, my mom and dad are completely different. In praying for my siblings, my brother and sister are completely different. So that, that's how, that's the good work. So we come back to all this, that it's a stewardship of ministry. We all have a stewardship of ministry when we give our life to Christ. And it is in, in the suffering that we have in our life with the Lord that produces the greatest fruit of the Lord to the benefit of those around us and can produce life in them as they see us on display. And then it's the word of God working in us on display, not just being proclaimed, but lived out. The gospel lived out through those circumstances. And then ultimately, we're driven, our labor, our striving, is to see all those things work together for good, that people can be one to Christ through those things of our life. And if they're not one to Christ, that's their choice. Our growth in Christ in those things is our choice. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.